Second Thessalonians chapter two. I'm sorry, Second Thessalonians chapter three, rather. And we welcome you here tonight, and we welcome you who are joining us on the live stream as well. And I'll try to be brief tonight. I know uh, I'm tired, and I'm imagining that you're tired, and uh, tired of you falling asleep. That's what I'm tired of. <laughs> So we'll try to be brief tonight, and uh, you pay attention to the Word of God, okay? And be on purpose tonight, uh, and intentional about engaging with God's Word, and let it, let it encourage our hearts, okay? Would you do that? All right, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and I want your attention to be on verse 3 as well. Our text tonight, verses 3 through 5, the Bible says, But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you, and keep you from evil, and we have confidence in the Lord touching you, that ye both do and will do the things which we command you, and the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Last week we started in chapter 3, uh, that's the point that we're at in working through this second epistle to the church in Thessalonica, and we we focused on the first word of verse 1 for just a moment. The word is finally. And it indicates for us the meaning of the word is something that's remaining. And we typically would use that word as here's the conclusion. And it sort of does carry the meaning of here's the conclusion. But Paul is saying there's still something more important to say. There's still something remaining. And so he says, finally, brethren... And he's, he's getting to the fact that, yes, I'm wrapping this up, but there's still something I want you to know uh, and that I want to point out to you. And so Paul begins to close this letter out, but he still has something important to say. And we saw that Paul expressed, first of all, in verse 1, mutual dependence on the church, on each other. And we saw there how Paul said, finally, brethren. And he says, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. And he calls them brethren. And we talked about how the Apostle Paul held an off, the office of an apostle. We talked about how he was a preacher. And yet, at the same time, Paul is showing dependence on the church. He calls them brethren. And brethren, what I want you to do is I want you to pray for us. And the application that we made out of that is that we all need each other. Amen? And that everybody part is essential. And that there's not one that's better than another in the Lord's church. We all have a function. We're all on the same team. We're supposed to be using our abilities and our gifts for the good of the whole. And there's not one part that's not replaceable. Whether you're talking about, you know, uh, uh, just we're talking about lay people in the church, we're talking about a pastor. There's not one that's repla not replaceable. And we need to understand that we actually all need each other, and there's only one head, and that's Christ. And so those are the applications that we made on, on that first thought with this mutual dependence on each other. But then we, said, we saw how Paul said, brethren, I want you to pray for us. And we started talking about what is it that Paul was saying you need to pray for. And we find it in verse 1 as well. He says that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. And so we made the application here, the point that 
Paul says, what I want you to pray for is that the gospel is getting out there. The gospel is going forward. He says that the word of the Lord may have free course. And that, that was a word or a phrasing that was used or spoken of those who would run in races. And the meaning of it, it carries the meaning of being unhindered. It carries the meaning of not being weighed down or impeded. How effective are you when you run in a race if you're carrying a, a 20, 30, 40, 50 pound vest, right? Or ankle weights. How effective are you in running the race? And, and so Paul is saying, pray that God's word is unimpeded, that God's word is not hindered and it's moving forward, and it goes out speedily. And we made the application with that in, in the fact that, uh, friends, we need, to, we need to have the same kind of prayer in our ministries, that the Word of the Lord is unimpeded, it's unhindered. Our native ministry, uh, Noah George and his ministry in, in Lebanon, do we pray that the preaching of the gospel doesn't have... Uh, uh, it's not uh, hindered in its going forth for those who carry it, that they would have boldness and opportunity. In fact, that's what the Apostle Paul prayed for, uh, asked the churches to pray for on a number of occasions. In Colossians chapter 4 and in Ephesians, he, he asked the churches, pray that we would have boldness to speak as we ought to speak. Do we pray that way? Lord, give me boldness to speak as I ought to speak. What about your co-workers? Who need the Lord? What about friends, neighbors, families who need the Lord? We can go about life and not hardly even think about it. Or when we're faced with an opportunity, we would shy away at times. And what we ought to pray is, Lord, help me. Give me boldness so that I'm not a hindrance to the word of God and the gospel getting out. Amen. And then he says that not only the Word of God would have free course, but that it would be glorified. And that, again, is language that would be used of those who would run in the Grecian games and other things. The word means to render or esteem glorious. And it's talking about the one who ran the race, and he won the race, and he's given his reward. He's given his crown uh, for winning the race. And, and the application is... That the Word of God is the thing that needs to go forward. The Word of God is, needs to be honored. And how is the Word of God honored? When people receive truth, when people are saved. And notice how Paul says at the end of that verse that the Word of God has free course, that it's glorified even as it is with you. And, and what Paul is saying here is what you need to pray for is that the Word of God has the very same effect here where I'm preaching now as it had with you when I preached the gospel to you. It was honored when you received it as truth, not as the words of men, but as it is in truth, the Word of God, and it effectually worked in you. Pray the same thing that it happens this way here where I'm preaching the gospel now. And so... Those are the things that Paul says you should pray for concerning the Word of God. But there was one other thing in verse 2. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. And so Paul says also pray for deliverance from resistance. And there are certainly those who despise the truth and who will do anything they can to 
stifle the message of Jesus Christ. And they are Satan's servants who doesn't want the gospel moving forward, doesn't want God to be glorified. And God's servants need the prayers of God's saints for deliverance so they can continue preaching the word of God and accomplish the work of the ministry. That's why it's so important that we pray for those that we support in ministry and missions. So those are the things we talked about last time. But I want you to notice verse 3. Because Paul says, But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. Paul switches gears here as he moves on to another important thing that needs to be said. So Paul said, Finally, Rounding the corner here, but there's still something important I want you to know. You need to pray that the word of the Lord goes out. But here's something else. Here's something else that's important uh, that needs to be said. And he uses the word but. That word, it means moreover, or it means in addition to. So on top of what I've told you, here's another thing. In addition to praying for us that the word of God be not hindered and that it bears fruit, you need to also remember something else here in addition to that. And what is it that you need to remember? Well, he says, God is faithful. Here's what you need to remember. Here's what's important to say, church, is that God is faithful. And this is where we're going to spend our time tonight. And that is the title of the message is, is God is faithful. And I want us to look into these verses, and I'll be brief tonight, and just unpack them and make some applications, and trust that the Lord will use it to encourage our hearts tonight, because the faithfulness of God is truly an encouragement, or should be, to the child of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, use your word here tonight, and I pray that you'd give liberty and give grace to teach it and expound on it, and I pray that, it, Lord, it would minister uh, grace in our hearts, and Lord, we'd be thankful unto you for the faithfulness that you demonstrate toward us. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul says here, in addition to these things, I want to remind you of something. The Lord is faithful. God is faithful. The faithfulness of God is a theme that the Apostle Paul often mentioned in his epistles, his letters. He already mentioned it too to the church in Thessalonica. If you go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in verse 24... Paul reminds them, he says, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. He's talking about the Lord, and he says, God is faithful. Notice what he said to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9, he says, God is faithful by whom you were called under the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. In chapter 10 uh, of 1 Corinthians, <clears throat> Paul again reminds the church of the faithfulness of God. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but with the temptation make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. You go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Again, Paul reminds the church of the faithfulness of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 
That is not the verse that I want. I don't like it when I do that. But I'll take you to another one, though. 2 Timothy chapter 2. If somebody finds it, you can uh, shout it out to me. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 13 says, "If, If we believe not, yet He abideth faithful, He cannot deny himself. And there's several other passages we could look to where Paul talks about the faithfulness of God. The point I'm making, and I think you get the point, is that this is a theme that that Paul often mentions and reminds the churches that God is a faithful God. Now, if you go back to our text there in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, let me just point out what the meaning of this word faithful is. Well, we understand what the meaning of the word faithful is, but let me point out to you what God is faithful to do. Notice here how how Paul says in verse 3, but the Lord is faithful, and what is He faithful to do? Well, there's several things in here. He says, who shall establish you and keep you from evil, and we have confidence in the Lord touching you that, that ye both do and will do the things which we command you, And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting of Christ. The first thing that we notice here is that God is faithful to establish you. He says, but the Lord is faithful who shall establish you. The word establish here means to strengthen. In other words, that God is the one who gives you your strength. God is the one with the times when you're weak and the times when you feel like you can't get it together, the times when you're trying so hard to do right and you feel like you can't, listen, that's the wrong source for strength. God is faithful who will establish you. He'll strengthen you. And then he says here, and keep you from evil. The word means to to be on guard. The word evil that he's talking about there, uh, it's, not, it's, it's a general usage, but it really means, it carries the meaning of the things that are hurtful. In other words, God is faithful to be on guard to keep you against the thing that is hurtful for you. Isn't that encouraging? Because you know what? We make a mess of things all the time. But God is faithful. God is faithful to not let you completely destroy your life. God is faithful to be on guard to keep you from the thing that is hurtful. What a wonderful God He is because of His faithfulness. Praise the Lord that He's faithful. Though men cannot be trusted, God is faithful to His promises. God is always faithful to His purposes. He's the one who can be confided in. And when men are unbelieving, when men are perverse, when men are unkind, when men are disposed to do wrong, we can go to the Lord and we'll always find Him to be the one who is faithful. We'll always find Him to be the one who is true that we can confide in. He'll never let you down. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible is Lamentations chapter 3. In fact, let's go over there. Lamentations chapter 3. If you don't know where it is, think of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. So if you find Ezekiel, you went too far. 
Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22. I'll wait for you to get there because I want you to read this with me. I want you to pay attention at least as I read it. Verse 22 says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. Because the Lord is the portion of my soul... Because the Lord is merciful, and it's because of His mercy that I'm not consumed, it's because of His compassion toward me that never fails, it's because the Lord is, uh, His mercies and His compassions are new every morning. He's always faithful with those things. Because of that, He is my portion, and my soul hopes in the Lord. Now, that's a wonderful verse of Scripture or two. Amen? But what's notable about this verse, and one thing that we don't usually think about when we quote this verse or claim the mercies of the Lord, what's notable about it is the context in which it's written. Do you know what the context is in which this phrase or passage is written? Jeremiah the prophet was probably the one who wrote Lamentations. And what he, and the, the time frame in which he's writing is after Jerusalem had been destroyed by the Babylonians. And thousands and thousands of Jews slaughtered. And multitudes and multitudes carried away into captivity. And the, the reason they were carried away into captivity and the reason Jerusalem was destroyed is because they turned their back on God. They rejected the Lord. They disobeyed God. And God sent judgment. And the judgment was, resulted in death for them. The judgment resulted in being carried away and many slaughtered and so on. And Jeremiah, who is probably the author here, he wrote the book of Lamentations and is expressing his overwhelming grief over the tragedy that he had witnessed. And in the middle of this sorrowful lament, there is this ray of hope right here. That it's of the Lord's mercies that we're not completely consumed. Because the Lord is compassionate and because the Lord is faithful, His faithfulness is great. And even in the middle of the tragedy, He's the portion of my soul and my soul will hope in Him. Like that is... That is Friends, that is so powerful to think about. Because how often are we unfaithful to the Lord? How often are we just like the nation of Israel? In fact, the nation of Israel is a picture of the Christian life. Where we're, we're trying to obey God and we turn our back on God and we rebel against Him. And God sends judgment into our life and we repent and we turn back to God and God blesses us again and over and over and over again. It's a picture of the Christian life. And yet in the middle of all of that, God is still faithful. So, here's the application. When you're under attack in your life, because that happens, does it not? 
which one in here is free from difficulty or trouble or attack? When you're under attack, whether it's from criticism, from others, yep, I know all about that. You probably do too. Whether it's slander, whether it's outright persecution, whether it's a hard trial in your life, maybe it's something from your past, maybe it's sin in the life that you're trying to get victory over, whatever it is, where do we go? Where do we go for hope? Where do we go for strength? We go to the Lord who is faithful to establish you and strengthen you. Go to the Lord who is merciful. Rely on God's faithfulness. And what the point is, instead of moping around, instead of wallowing in self-pity, instead of discouragement, instead of continual defeat, hope in God who is faithful. Even when the enemy seems to be winning. That was Jeremiah's situation. And he said, God is faithful. His faithfulness, in fact, is great. And his mercies are new every morning. What does that imply to us? (laughs) That even in the middle of the judgment, God was actually still at work. He was still at work in their life. How many times... Have you been misunderstood by others? You ever felt misunderstood? I have. Happens all the time. (laughs) Happens all the time. How often have your words and your actions and your attitudes and your thoughts and your motives been misjudged? Like, why did you do that? Why did you say that? Oh, I know why he said that. Oh, I know why he did that. And we form conclusions, misjudging motives and actions and words. Right? How often has that happened to you? Even by those who know you. Even by those who call you friend. And yet how many times, friend, let me ask you the question. How many times has it happened to you by people? But how many times has the Lord misunderstood you? How many times has the Lord been unfaithful to you? How many times has the Lord misread you? How many times has the Lord misjudged you or misunderstood you or misconstrued anything about you? Never once. Never once. How many times has the Lord been unreasonable with you? Yet how often have others been critical and even falsely accused you and been unreasonable in their thoughts? How often have you been mistreated and have you mistreated others? Can we say those kinds of things about the righteous God, the Almighty? Absolutely not, we can't. Job 8.3 says, Doth God pervert judgment or doth the Almighty pervert justice? No, God is righteous and He's just. 
He's faithful. And listen, listen, the Lord knows when you sit down and when you rise up and when you lay down and when you go about and when you come in, the Bible tells us that God understands everything about you and me. He understands your thoughts even before you think them. He comprehends our going out and our coming in. He's acquainted with every single thing about you. He knows everything. And yet he is still faithful. Why would he be? Because he knows everything about you. He knows everything about you. I hope your mind is turning. I hope your mind's thinking right now. Because how much of what he knows about you is actually not pleasing? Right? And yet he's still faithful. Psalm 139, one says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassed my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it all together. The Lord is the only one who can see everything and evaluate all the externals and the internals, the behaviors, the thoughts. He assesses those things and knows those things even better than you know them about you. Let alone, let alone other people, God knows it better. And yet, it should magnify for us how faithful God really is. Listen to this. God is the only unerring judge of what is excellent and what is right. The sovereign of the world sees you in every light in which you can possibly be seen. He knows it from every angle. He sees you from every light in which you could possibly be seen. Beyond that, He also never treats you unreasonably, even in severe trial. Because God has said that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Our light afflictions because we go through them, but really they're light. They're but for a moment. They work for you. A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So no matter what you're going through, God is not unreasonable. In fact, God is using it for good in your life. Knowing all that the Lord knows about you and me, <laughs> He is still ever faithful. It's just, a, it's just a really, really, really important truth that Paul has stated here to the church. It's an important thing. I want you to, I got to say this, he says to the church. There's one more thing that I got to tell you that's really important. The Lord is faithful. He's faithful to you. We look in verse, go back to our text. We got to move along. I'm I'm bogging down here. 
But you're awake, I can tell. Let's see. Let's look, look in verse 4. But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And then he says, and we have confidence in the Lord touching you that ye both do and will do the things which we command you. And what I take from this is that the Lord is faithful to strengthen you. The Lord is faithful to protect you, to keep you from evil, from that which is harmful to you. But the Lord is also faithful to work in you. The Lord is faithful to work in you. He says, we have confidence in the Lord touching you, regarding you, that you're going to do and you, you, what we've already told you, and you're going to keep on doing the things that we've told you. In other words, God is currently working in you now and will be at work in your life. We're confident the Lord is faithful to do that. Even when it looks bleak. Even when it looks like the circumstances are hard and you really seem to be going through it. And a lot of things don't seem to be making sense. The Lord is actually working still, even through those circumstances, to establish you, to strengthen you, to settle you, and mature you in your life. What does 1 Peter 5.10 say? The, but the God of all grace, God has it all. He's got it all. He's got all the divine enabling. He's got all of the, the, the unmerited favor. God has it all. The God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish you, strengthen you, settle you, after you've suffered a little while. But God is faithful with his grace even while you're suffering a little bit. And the end result of that is God is trying to mature you and strengthen you and settle you and establish you. In the very next verse, Peter says, Unto him be glory in all things. The reason he's doing that in your life, it's for your good and his glory. Even in the hard thing, when it doesn't seem to make sense, God is at work somewhere because he's faithful. 1 Thessalonians 5, 24, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Yes. Amen. This ought to be encouraging because you know what? I think there's some of you that are sometimes struggling. Life isn't supposed to be free of struggle. We go through it. It's not uncommon. But how do we respond to it? How do we handle it? And are we continually defeated by it? Are we continually depressed by it? Hey, maybe sometimes we're up and maybe sometimes we're down. Okay, we're human. That's part of the human condition. But when we remember the faithfulness of God and we realize that God is trying to strengthen and establish and mature me in my life, hey, all of a sudden my soul can hope in the Lord and I've got no reason now to stay defeated or discouraged. And how do I know that this is for good? Well, he told me, number one, how am I supposed to get through it? Well, he's also going to give me the grace. He's the God of all grace. And he who has called you is also faithful to do it. You understand what I'm getting at? If you're hurting tonight, 
Hope in God. If you're struggling tonight, hope in the Lord. If it seems like there's a whole bunch of trouble going on in your life and you're a little confused and wondering and you're kind of down and defeated, hey, remember this, God is faithful. He can never, ever, ever, ever leave you. Because he promised he wouldn't, and he cannot lie. Amen? Look at verse 5. We'll move on. And the Lord, here's the Lord again, the faithfulness of the Lord. Direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. The Lord is also faithful to direct you. So the Lord's faithful to establish you, to protect you, to work in you. And in verse 5, the Lord is faithful to direct you. Direct your hearts. The word direct here to, means to make straight, and it means to guide, but it, it really carries the meaning of clearing out obstacles from the path. The Lord is faithful to make your path straight. The Lord is faithful to direct you, guide you, but to clear out the obstacles in the path. God is faithful to do that. To do what? To direct you how? Into the love of God. He's faithful to direct you into the love of God. You know what? I'm just going to skip right to it here. I need God's direction in my life. I need His direction. I need that guidance. He's faithful to guide you to direct you into the love of God. I need that guidance. Why? I need the guidance for God's love. Why? Because my heart cannot generate that kind of love. I can't do that to you or to Him. My heart can't generate love because my own heart is rotten. And so God is faithful to clear out the obstacles and make the path straight and direct into His love so that we can love others like the Lord does, so that we can love Him. There's more that we could say on that, but He's also faithful to direct you into the patient waiting for Christ. That basically holds the meaning of this. Waiting but without anxiety. You know how that is when you're anticipating something or you're not really certain about what's going to happen. You're not really certain about how the details are going to unfold and you're kind of just waiting for it to happen, but you're full of anxiety about it. You know what I'm talking about? No, none of you? Patiently waiting for, how does he put it here? In verse 5, patient waiting for Christ. It means waiting without anxiety. And remember, one of the things that the church needed correction on was regarding the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul's going to go on and talk about a few problems that were in the church because of this wrong that had developed, because of this wrong thinking regarding the return of Jesus Christ. And so it really does tie in here what he's talking about waiting but without anxiety. The Apostle Paul says God's 
the, the thing that God is faithful to do is to lead them toward greater love toward Him, toward greater love for others, and also in persevering in the face of the persecution that they were facing as they lived their life and as they looked for the return of Jesus Christ. And Paul's going to address a couple of issues that were wrong in how some of them were living their life. And the point that still comes back to you is that God is faithful to do that in your life. And it teaches us that the real key, and here's the, I'll conclude with this. It teaches us that the real key to enduring is actually the faithfulness of God toward you and toward me. You feel like you have to endure? You feel like you have to go through the burdens? You're like, you're you're trudging along and it's just like, you understand what I'm talking about? The key to enduring all of that is actually the faithfulness of God toward you. Not your own ability to, I'm going to make it through. And I'm going to put on the smile and the happy face and I'm just going to make it fake, right? No, the key is the faithfulness of God to you. When you're under spiritual attack, Often Satan will tempt us with thoughts like this. If God is really faithful, or God really loves me, He wouldn't allow me to be going through such difficult trial continually. We're tempted to think things like that. But in times like that, what do we have to do? We have to continually rely on the promises in God's Word that assure us of the fact that He is faithful, of the fact that He is full of love towards you and me, and He only has a good expected end in mind. Don't focus on the situation. Rather, focus on the Savior, because He's faithful. Amen? So profound. We already know that, Pastor. All right, then, well, let's put it to practice. Amen? That's the hard part. But the Lord is faithful to help us. So let's rely on Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask that You use Your Word to encourage us tonight. And for any who might be struggling or hurting or doubting or dealing with anxiety or fears or any other thing, maybe it's sin in the life, we're trying to gain victory over it. Pray that you'd help us to, Lord, just set our own efforts aside in the times of discouragement to remind ourselves through the Word of God that you are ever faithful. And without your mercy, we would be consumed. Without your compassion, we wouldn't have a chance. But your faithfulness is great. And Father, I pray that you'd help us to learn to rest and rely on that. Thank you for it. Especially when we are so unfaithful to you. And something that I've said probably a hundred times, but it's a great reminder. I'm so glad that your faithfulness and your love does not depend on my performance to you. So we thank you, Lord, tonight, and I pray that you help us to draw closer to you, to love you, 
and lift hearts. Rejoice the heart because of the greatness and the faithfulness of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. In His name we pray. Amen.